Hello, my name is Lea Gerer, and I will be doing a podcast today about the beginning of Virgil's first Georgics and um, William Wordsworth's uh, preface to Lyrical Ballads, which he published in uh, 1800. Um, Virgil's Georgics is a didactic poem focused on farming, so essentially it serves as a sort of farming manual, um, though obviously being a poem, it also represents much more. Wordsworth's preface to Lyrical Ballads serves as sort of his mission statement um, for his uh, new form of poetry, which um, he claims focus on the rustic and essentially serves as kind of a breaking away from the uh, neoclassical tradition of uh, poets such as uh, Alexander Pope that had become popular in that time. Um, oftentimes, Wordsworth kind of is seen as breaking away from uh, the focus on classical because he is um, kind of in opposition to these neoclassical poets. However, um, this podcast aims to show that, um, indeed, um, his sort of like, his mission statement has a lot in common with what Virgil is aiming to do and kind of the, and the general ethos of uh, other classical poets who worked in the rural and pastoral forms. Um, I think that it's important because it shows sort of the enduring appeal of this type of poetry um, throughout history. Um, and what Wordsworth is really doing is, while he's breaking away from kind of this like highly elusive, um, kind of hard to um, engage with poetry of the neoclassicists, he's instead sort of taking these values that were used by a lot of the great classical poets and kind of updating them and turning them into something accessible for all in his time. The beginning of Virgil's Georgics makes for a good comparison here because it too serves as sort of a mission statement. Um, it kind of gives an overview of uh, what to expect in the four Georgics and kind of places his mindset on the rural and kind of as being a more superior and natural thing uh, to the urban, which is something that Wordsworth also sort of covers in talking about kind of the purity of rustic life and why he decides to cover it. So with that in mind, uh, let's go ahead and uh, look at uh, the first 23 lines of uh, Virgil's first eclogue, first in Latin and then the translation. Quid facet laetes segetes, quo sedere terram vertere machinus, omis quod jungere vitis, conveniat quae cura bolum qui cultus subendum. Sit pecore apibus quante experientia parcis, hinc canere incipiam vos ocrusum mundi, lumina labentum caelo quae ducetis anum, liber et alma caeris, vestrosi munere telus, caunium pingui glande mutavit arista, poculaque inventis aciolea, Miscue uis, et vos agrestum presentia numinifani, fertesimo fonique pedum dridesque puellae, munero vestra cano, tuqueo qui prima fermentum, fude iquum magno telus percusitredenti, Neptune et cultor nemorum, qui pinguia cae tercentum nue tonden dumeta in uenci, ipse nimus linquens patrum saltusque licie, Pan oium custos tua sid tibi minella curae, asis o tegeae, favens olea minerva, inventrix unique puer monstratar aratri, et teneram ab radice ferin soane cupressum, dique deque omnes, studium quibus aratuere, quibus novas alitis non ulo semine fruges, quique satis largum caelo demitis imbrem. That which makes the crops happy by which the land turns up towards the stars, Messinus, let it come to join the vines with the elms. The care of the ox, for the sake of tending to the cattle, having been domesticated. How clever the frugal bees! Here I will begin to sing. You, O shining lights of the world, who lead the years, gliding along the heavens, liber in fruitful series. By your duty, the earth changed caonian nut into fat wheat, and mixed the cup of a coleus with grapes. 
And you, Fonz, the farmer's present gods, come walk at the same time as the dryads and young girls. I sing your gifts. And you, to whom earth poured forth the first snorting horse, having been pierced by your great trident, O Neptune. And you, tiller of the grove, for whom three hundred white steers shave the fat thickets of sail. And yourself, guardian of the sheep, leaving the forests of your homeland and the Lycian forest, Pan, if you are of care for your Minella, come in peace, O Tegeus. Come, Minerva, inventress of the olive tree, and you, boy who showed the hooked plow, and Sylvanus, holding soft cypress by the roots, and all gods and goddesses by whose eagerness the plowed land is viewed, and who nourish the young fruit without seeds, and who send down much rain. The beginning of the first Georgic works best sort of as a uh, preface and kind of a mission statement of sorts about what he's going to what he's going to write about here. Um, he really, in the first few lines even, he talks about uh, some of the main topics of the Georgics um, when he's mentioning the crops, the bees, the stars, the cattle. Um, all of those things play a big role in the Georgics and kind of capture a lot of his main topics. So right from the start, Virgil is making a mission statement of sorts, just as uh, Wordsworth is making his own mission statement in uh, his preface. And then uh, you can kind of see later, um, as it goes into the um, the invocation, you can see that he's listing a lot of different gods, um, and they're all related to nature. Um, and so by doing so, he's kind of establishing the rural and the rustic life as kind of a pure life um, created by the gods and sort of like this utopia, at least when it started. Um, the invocation is interesting also because... Um, Whereas you'd see it in a lot of like epic poems, the muses would be addressed. Um, he's addressing the, the gods themselves who have created kind of the flora and fauna of the nature and who um, nurture these plants and trees and uh, other forms of wildlife, um, even without uh, human interest. And so that's kind of the thing of the Georgics is that it's not necessarily about the golden age or like how that's passed, um, but it's more about sort of man's interaction with nature this is sort of we're getting a glimpse here of how nature is before man and there's some really good some great golden age times um and then there are some very bad plague-filled times and sort of by establishing kind of a pre-human illustration of of the rural life and with these uh, with these trees that are nourished um, and rise up by themselves sort of with the help of the gods um, you can kind of see it really is a sort of, use an American term, it's a God's country in a way, um, plural here. Um, and I think that really uh, plays a big role in how Virgil later in these um, Georgics really is able to depict such a wide swath of people's um, impressions and activities, um, whether it's dying horribly in plagues and like bones liquefying or these like great golden ages there's a lot of range that can happen within sort of this rustic world um and that a lot of times i think is from sort of the intervention of man and kind of the god's poor reactions of man but then the rustic itself he's establishing here is a pure thing it's humanity itself that's maybe not as pure and though we get to that later, just the mere fact of establishing the purity of, of like the rustic world before it is like, you know, like while untouched, I think establishes sort of that pure, higher, like better imagery of like a rustic life. Like you're still closer 
to that kind of like elemental perfection that would be than if you lived in a city. And I think that's kind of the key. And like compared to Wordsworth stuff, he's not also not like exalted. And he's saying it's pure. But then you look at some of his poems and they're fairly dark as well. It's not all sunshine and happiness. There's like ruined abbeys and like farm workers who are just singing songs, miserably alone. There's all kinds of stuff there too. And sort of that, juxtaposition between the purity and the suffering that can happen is a big part of both of both of these writers sort of mo with uh, this um sort of pastoral genre of poetry so with that in mind uh, i'd like to take a look at a um excerpt from a wordsworth preface um so here we go uh quote the principal object then proposed in these poems was to choose incidents and situations from common life and to relate or describe them throughout as far as was possible in a selection of language really used by men and at the same time to throw over them a certain coloring of imagination whereby ordinary things should be presented to the mind in an unusual aspect and further and above all to make these incidents and situations interesting by tracing in them truly though not ostentatiously the primary laws of our nature chiefly as far as regards the manner in which we associate ideas in a state of excitement. And really, that doesn't seem too different from what Virgil is trying to do here in the Georgics, where, sure, it is a farming manual, but it seems to be getting at sort of these greater truths of mankind and, like, these greater conflicts, um, just as Wordsworth has attempted to do with his poems. And I think kind of a big thing that we can see is that throughout the Georgics, um, Virgil is sort of presenting a farming, which I'd say counts as an ordinary thing. It's a very daily part of our lives that is necessary for survival um and he's taking this ordinary thing and he's presenting them uh, to our minds in an unusual aspect i think in that regard um even though in the wordsworth poems um sort of tend towards the more pastoral there's a lot in common with intent um to the uh, to the georgics as opposed to the eclogues where they're trying to get at this greater thing and really kind of dig into it through the interaction of man with nature and I think those, those that's kind of the big link um, between uh, these two writers. Um, and it's interesting because Wordsworth is expressly trying to break away from like this very elusive um, neoclassical tradition, and yet he's finding himself going deeper and deeper into um, a tradition, but just adapting it to uh, his modern age. Um, something interesting that I picked up is that um, in one of Wordsworth Cottages, um, there a bunch of excerpts were found um, from his translations of the Georgics um, when he was only like just finishing up his last year of college at Cambridge. Uh, so obviously, this is a work that um, had a quite the impression on him at a young age, and I think kind of those values have stuck with him. And so, one of Wordsworth's most famous poems is "A Few Lines Written Above Tintern Abbey," and I think there you can kind of see kind of the common threads between that and the Georgics. It's a pretty long poem, so I'm not going to read it out loud because uh, we have limited time here, although I would recommend reading it. It's very good. Um, But it sort of starts, it's about basically him taking a walk with his sister, and it kind of goes from, like, sort of this description of, like, the nature and everything kind of around this, like, ruined abbey um, to sort of more of a reflection and basically kind of transition to him talking about, like, his bond with his sister and kind of all of that. And I think there you can kind of see how he's going from, like, talking about nature and then kind of zooming in and kind of focusing on, like, the human element, um, kind of in a process with that. And I think you can kind of see that with the Georgics a bit, too. Um, I mean, obviously, these aren't the lines I'm covering, but just, like, going from kind of the wide-ranging 
stuff of like the first Georgic to like the specific stories that Virgil is kind of telling from like Aristeus and uh, Orpheus and all of that. In the fourth book, there's kind of a similar movement from kind of the the natural to the human and the interactions uh, between the two and sort of how it affects our daily lives and kind of the lives of nature. I think that really is sort of the common through line between these two writers. It also kind of what allows them to create uh, these uh, works of poetry that are both very much of their time and of their people, but then also timeless in a way. Well, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, my name is Jack Godar, um, and I'm signing off.